sticky, muggy day in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is still the Out of Sight Podcast. I am still your host, Adil Royster, and I am still providing those chill rides and those chill vibes, as always, for Sixers Nation. Busy last couple of weeks, all season still in full swing, summer league in full swing, and there are some performances, some names, some some Sixers-related goodness, as it were, in the landscape over the last week, week and a half. And that comes from our man Tyrese Maxey, who was drafted last year in surprising fashion because, again, h- how, did, how did that many general managers miss on Tyrese Maxey? But I'm glad they all did because he's a Sixer and I'm very much enjoying it, as are the rest of you. In fact, he's having a legit great summer league this year. And Paul Hudrick, who is a newcomer to Liberty Ballers, wrote up a piece that asks a pretty interesting question, poses a nice little what if, I guess. Is Maxi now untouchable? So let, let's talk to Paul about this. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So you're a newcomer to Liberty Ballers. And when it happened, I got instant tweet messages from I guess a mutual friend of ours and he's like there there has to be a podcast between the two of us I don't know why (laughs) that happened so quickly I don't know why there's such a draw for the two of us to be on a podcast together maybe on like a regular fashion but I I I don't know I what (laughs) I I do notice that you have Batman in your Twitter bio so I I guess that's something that we share (laughs) yeah very big batman guy you can't see my background right now but if you did you would see and it's it's like half philly sports and then actually shouldn't say that it's probably about three quarters philly sports and then a solid quarter devoted just to batman let me ask you this then did you happen to pick up the batman 89 comic book over the weekend i did not so i'll keep it real with you that the comic book side of it i haven't been as involved in the last i don't know decade or so Right. Uh, but but definitely have kept with the cinematic universe and, you know, and keeping up with the trends, but not quite. Uh, uh, is this is this the or is this like the series now with uh, with Lucius Fox's son taking over as Batman? So basically, Batman 89 is an homage basically to the movie and ah. the cover art. The cover art is straight up out of like Tim Burton style, like done like the whole comic isn't like that. But the series itself, it seems like a six off. They're doing like a six issue series and it all runs on just just those types of Batman characters. So you'll see that you'll see Billy D. Williams's face in the first couple of pages, which is awesome. There are a lot of Tim Burton Easter eggs on the first sheet that if you're a deep Tim Burton fan, you'll recognize them real quick. But yeah, it's a, it's a sweet comic. You should pick it up if you have the time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, di- I didn't even know that existed. So I, I appreciate you turning me on to that. I might actually, I think I haven't dipped in a while, man. The last thing I, I mean, I, I, I got into the, the graphic novels pretty heavily there for a minute, but I haven't really dipped my toes. So I might, I might have to do that. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the, let's get back to the meat of the podcast and Tyrese Maxey. I can talk about Batman and Batman comics all day. That's not what this <laughs> podcast is about. Tyrese Maxey, right now he's second in the summer league and scoring at 26. 
and he's playing 29.3 minutes per game. This is all in two games because he didn't play the last two games against Minnesota and Atlanta. Uh, here's my first question. Is it possibly a little too premature to say he's untouchable? Oh, yeah, it definitely might be too, too soon. Okay. And I, okay. Definitely I just like felt like oh, I had to sure. ask that off rip. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, listen, it's and even like, you know, if you read the column, like even I don't draw necessarily draw that conclusion because I'm not sure I'm there yet. But it's just to me, it's like I look at it like this. And it's some of the stuff you mentioned off the top. This is a guy who was a 21st overall pick that probably shouldn't have been the 21st overall pick. I thought for sure he would be a lottery guy. I, I never thought he'd make it to 21. Um, and when you look at, I think a big part of that is with, with the pandemic, his season ends early at Kentucky. Um, so you don't get to see him in a tournament setting, either, you know, SEC tournament or the, or the, the NCAA tournament. Right. Um, he doesn't get the normal pre-draft uh, gamut. He doesn't get the, the pre-draft workouts. He doesn't get a traditional combine to really show where he belongs in this draft and where he fits. So I think clearly that coupled with the fact that he didn't shoot the three ball. Well, um, I, you know, he's below 30% at Kentucky. Uh, those things all factored into him falling. Uh, and then on top of that, he gets here, he gets the training camp, he gets COVID. Um, so that <laughs> sidelines him for a little bit. So it's just all of these things that should have made it so that he didn't have the year he had as a rookie. He overcame all of that, not only to show signs, but to grow. Uh, he improved as the season went along. He contributed in a, in a huge pivotal playoff game. He, he was a big part. He, he, you can argue he saved their season in game six. So I just think with all of that, and then you couple that with what you saw in those two summer league games where he was the best player on the court in both of those games. And that's why to me, it's like, I'm at a point where the floor already is very high with him. And now I'm starting to question, where is the ceiling? I don't know where, I just don't know where it is right now. So that's why for me, I'm not making the bold claim that yes, he is untouchable, but I'm just saying that if you're Daryl Morey, who there were reports that he was untouchable last year for James Harden, right? Um, is Daryl Morey wondering? Because and to me too, the other thing is every GM has to have a walking away point in negotiations, right? Like there's got to be a point where you say, okay, this is too much, and I, I just wonder that if throwing in Maxi in certain deals, um, maybe he's too much, and, and so I, I'm not saying we're definitively there yet, uh, <laughs> but I, I am just wondering if. How uh, I think he might be special, and now I'm starting to wonder how special he can be. Maxi is pretty much included in any Dame Lillard or Brad Beal fake trade, so that's kind of I, I get it. It's easy to throw Maxi in because he is a he's a controllable asset, contract is manageable. He's a young player with a lot of upside. Now that we're seeing him really turn it on in the summer league. My whole thing about young players trading assets and what have you, it's a good idea for the right piece, right? If I'm trading Maxi for Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, yeah, no problem. But if you're telling me, oh, we're throwing in Maxi in a deal that gets CJ McCollum or Zach Levine or something, I feel like I'm not going to be too happy about that. Like, is there, is there a line with a player that you cross where you're just like, okay, we shouldn't even think about putting Maxi in this deal because it's just not worth it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you could make an argument that really no player is untouchable, right? Uh, if the right offer comes along, you're going to listen. Um, and yeah, I mean, certainly if I would be hesitant to throw him in, but <laughs> listen, if it's I love get... Joel Embiid as much as yeah. the next person, but if, if Milwaukee, for whatever reason, momentary lapse of judgment, <laughs> uh, the general manager is like really drunk or something like that. And he's just like, Oh, Embiid for Giannis. Let me just do it right now. Yeah. yeah I'm uh, yeah, sure. I'll take Giannis. right. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, to a certain extent, no player is really untouchable. But with that said, I, I you know, to your point, I, I, yeah, it, it, if you have the opportunity to pair Damian Lillard with Joel Embiid, I certainly understand someone that would say, I don't care, do whatever it takes, get Damian Lillard here, again, playing with Joel Embiid, and you figure out the rest. Totally get that, totally respect <laughs> that. And to be honest with you, I, I, I probably – leaned toward that side slightly yeah but i just i ultimately like like ultimately if that's the deal then i i i get it but at the same time man if there is a path where you can execute that without giving up tyree maxi <laughs> um, nice yeah that would be the optimal path but yeah and it's just it to me like it, it kind of going back again to what i wrote is just all of these things that tyrese maxi is are things that i think the Sixers as an organization and then even the six, the Sixers fan base has been longing for when you talk about a guard that could create off the dribble, that can do, that can create his own offense. A guy that wants the ball in his hands at the end of games, you know, he's 0 for seven uh, in that game against the Hawks from three. And then he takes that step back with them down four with like two minutes left and nails it to go one of eight. <laughs> so it's just that mindset is just something they really haven't had a guard that can do the things that he like. And, and again, summer league, I get all that. I, yeah. I get the sample size, but just that mentality and that mindset for a 20 year old to have that. I think that's something special. And on top of that, he works extremely hard. Doc Rivers talked all year last year about if you look, cause they do log how many minutes guys spend in the gym by far Tyrese Maxey spent the most minutes in the gym, perfecting his craft working out every day. Wow. Uh, on top of that, coachable. Uh, Doc Rivers said at one point that Tyrese Maxey was graded as the worst defender on the team last year. <laughs> and then in the Hawks series, at times he's got him guarding Trey Young. So that just shows you the leap and, and the growth that he has made and how coachable he can be and how much he, again, how much he works to improve on those aspects of his game. Um, and then on top of that, uh, he's just a great kid. Uh, he, he's great to the media, always cordial, always with a smile on his face, always positive. The fan base obviously loves him. He's a guy that's really easy to like. So when you factor all that in, that's an, like, again, not to say that if Neil, she calls me tomorrow and says either it's Maxi or I'm not giving you Dame Lillard that I wouldn't do it, but man, <laughs> it, it's, it makes it tougher because I just think he is such a perfect fit for this basketball team and such a perfect fit for this city that it would have to be something really special and I'd have to be blown away uh, to include him in a deal. It's, it's that face. It's that face and that smile of his. It's, it's such <laughs> a very likable face. I hear what you're saying about Maxi being very coachable and presentable and like willing to do the things that he needs to do. This quote that you put in the column, I pride myself on being able to do what the coach needs me to do. I feel comfortable with the ball in my hands. I feel comfortable making reads or certain passes. I worked on it my entire life, just over the last three months, the last couple of weeks, actually, and just finding the right reads. Like, he's just constantly 
trying to get himself better. And that speaks to him being a gym rat. For sure. And it's, it's funny because I had, um, I mean, for years before I did the whole sports writer thing, I worked in restaurants and like bartended, did all that fun <laughs> stuff for years. And I had a manager who at one point, like, I can't remember what the conversation was. I think I was complaining about a fellow coworker and <laughs> it was a coworker that no one, everyone kind of complained about. Um, and I remember what he said, what my manager at the time said to me, he said, you know what, Paul, I can't make people get it. You either get it or you don't. Right. And I think Maxie is just one of those guys that at a very young age, he already gets it. That light bulb has gone off and it's bright. And I think that's, that could be a separator. That could be what separates a guy like him from being a pretty good player, you know, whatever, however you, you want to say a ceiling, like a, like a, a decent NBA starter to perhaps more than that, to perhaps being special. And that, that personality, that work ethic, everything we just talked about, that could be what separates him. Cause he's got talent. He's got talent in a lot of different ways. He could do a lot of different things on the basketball court, but that stuff that could be, those could be the little things that, that, take him basically from good to great for lack of a better way to put it one of the things that i love about maxi's game and you're seeing it a lot in the summer league is just his finishing ability like it's never been an issue his runners his floaters the way he contorts his body to finish i i feel like this year's summer league he's showing off how aggressive and how fluid he can be finishing at the rim. Are you kind of seeing that as well? Whereas like you're seeing it a lot more prevalently now than maybe you did during the season last year. Oh, for sure. And, and I would disagree with you slightly that it's not it, it, cause it was an issue at, at certain points during his rookie year. I remember doc rivers, you know, that was a big uh, uh, sticking point with him. And part of the reason why he kind of lost minutes a little bit is that he felt like Maxi was maybe a little too reliant on that floater game because mm. he is, it's so it's such a good shot and it's so tough to guard. And perhaps he was at times a little bit too reliant on it. And, it's, and instead of going to the rim, absorbing contact and finishing through it, um, he maybe wasn't doing that as much. But you saw that was one of the bigger adjustments I thought he made as the season went down and as he earned minutes again towards the back end of the season and into the postseason. And yeah, but the finishing ability, man, I mean, you know, he works with Chris Johnson, who also works with Ben Simmons. But what you see with, with Maxi is like the the wrong foot finishes, um, like you said, the floater game, finishing with both hands, finishing through contact, finishing around contact, like that's stuff that, that again, it's just, it's, it's, it's those little things that can separate a guy from other players. And I think quite frankly, like, when you look at a guy like Ben Simmons, I know everyone wants to talk about the shot and, you know, and free and which is fair. But to me, if he had a finishing package that was similar to Tyrese Maxey. Oh God. He would, un- he would be unstoppable. So that's to me like those little, th- and that's something that is a teachable thing. That is something that Tyrese Maxey has worked tirelessly on. And that you saw glimpses of it at Kentucky, him and Emmanuel quickly, both of them, both of those guys, just dangerous with that floater game, dangerous finishing around the rim. And now you're just seeing that evolve and he's getting better at it because he's putting in more work and he's getting better at it. And uh, again, that's just one of those things that to me can separate him, that can make him a really special player for a long time. I feel like the floater is going to take over as the prominent thing that you see from young people, especially because Trey Young is getting so popular. Although Trey Young is also pretty good at, you know, launching those 35 footers because i remember when steph curry really busted onto the scene i couldn't go to a playground without people chucking up 40 footers (laughs) from half court and i'm like 
I'm underneath the basket with no one guarding me. Like, would you just, <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. Maxi is also hitting his free throws, which is refreshing. It's good news. Uh, five and a half free throw attempts a game in summer league, and he's hitting about a 90% clip. So that's also encouraging. Right. And I think that was the one. So he was a, a, an okay. Like, I think he was, I guess, okay at, at Kentucky. I can't remember the number. It was like around 75%, I want to say. Yeah. So that's one high of the, 70s, low 80s. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons I thought, okay, like the shot, it, it you know, he didn't hit a lot of threes at Kentucky, or, you know, he didn't, he didn't hit it at a high clip, but the free throws were there. Um, right. The form was there. The touch was there. So that's what led me to believe, yeah, he hasn't quite shown it yet, but I think he can develop it. And I, I think that's a big part of it is the free throws. Yeah. And then to me, yes, hitting them is obviously incredibly important. But what you said, five and <laughs> we a half know. per game. Yeah, right. Of course. Um, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to go there and start picking on Ben Simmons. But yes. Um, it, but yeah, it wouldn't like, be a Liberty Ballers podcast without at least a little <laughs> picking on Ben Simmons. Fair enough. Um, but the five and a half attempts per game, I think it, it only, like you said, like 29 minutes, I think he played. That's that's huge. Um, him getting to the line, I think, is 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 so important. And that again goes back to what the criticism of Doc Rivers last year of him saying that he settled too much for floaters and for mid-range jumpers when he could have got to the rim and either drawn contact and got to the line or just finished through the contact or around the contact. Um, so I, I think the five and a half is huge, the hitting almost 90% is huge, and it's just again all of these layers. All of these things are why I, I just see him as being, and it's tough because it he's really 20 is. years old. It's tough because he's 20 years old and we don't like, can you throw him into the starting lineup right now? I, I don't know. That's, that's as much as I like him. And as much as I like his future, that's a lot to ask for a team that just came off a, a very, like the one seed and then a very disappointing playoff lit, uh, loss to then turn around and the next season say, Okay, Tyrese Maxey, you're in the starting lineup. Here's the basketball. Go, go, make us better than we were last year. Like that's a big ask for a kid. Not to say that that's impossible, but that's a lot. So, it, it's the the Sixers do find themselves in a tough place with him because um, he is helping right now and he can help right now. But can he help enough to what they need? Uh, that that's that's a big ask. So that's where it, it's it, it it's so hard to draw the line of. Like, like how much can he help you? And there's really no way to know that until the season starts. But at the same time, you can't rely on that. You can't rely on him as a, a 20, going to be 21 year old to step into such a large role for a team that thinks they have a chance to compete for a championship. Hold that thought because I, I am going to bring that up. The, the concept of Maxi as a starter, but let me, let's do this. Let's take a little breather real quick. Let's, let's pay some of these Liberty ballers bills come back and then we'll talk more about the subject and you know what the maxi as a starter might be a little bit of a take but i definitely have a blazing hot take as it returns to summer league and another player that's on this roster so we'll come right back with paul hudrick on out of sight back in a second when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Something that's also being showcased a lot with Maxi this summer league is the perimeter shooting. And he's fifth in summer league right now in field goals attempted. And let me throw these numbers at, out at you real quick. Couldn't really see it last year because of limited playing time. And we'll get into that and Doc Rivers in a second. But I looked up his three-point attempts per 100 possessions at Kentucky. And that, that number was 6.2. He's doing seven in summer league. And I want to ask you this. Is he trying too hard to show his willingness to put it up? Or is he having the mindset of, screw it, I'm just going to take more now while I get the minutes and maybe I can show off a little bit? Yeah, I think it's definitely the latter. I think it's, you know, with Summer League, it's pretty obvious that he doesn't have much to prove as far as how good he is or or his standing with the Sixers. Right. That was never really the point of him playing in Summer League. But Part of it was there were, there were two things, and he mentioned to, this to us uh, the other day. Um, you know, one of the big things that Doc Rivers wanted was for him to act more as a true point guard, uh, run the team, run the sets, get guys in the right place. And that was a big emphasis from Doc Rivers. And then on top of that, it's been a point of emphasis for Tyrese since he got into the league. And he's mentioned this, you know, how many shots he's taken and all that. And it's just to prove that he can be a, a good shooter. And he works on it. He, he works on it tirelessly. He really does. Um, and not just simply getting three-pointers point up, but getting three-pointers up in game situations in practice to try to, you know, like that step-back shot. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a pretty cool thing that Chris Johnson put out where he showed um, Tyrese Maxey working out and kind of making basically the same exact move he made against the Hawks on that step-back, that he did it in practice and that he right. brought it over into a game situation. So... Um, I think that's big that he's working on those game situations and then taking it and, and, and implementing it into a summer league game. So I think that's what it is. I think it's just, he knows that one of the things he's again, one of the things that can really elevate him that can take his game to another level is that ability to hit shots and to hit shots off the dribble. Um, especially like, you know, it, 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 if he's getting a screen and that, and he either gets switched onto a big man or they play drop coverage on him. The ability to just pick the ball up off the dribble and shoot a three, that's a game changer. That yeah. that makes his drop that makes his drives um much more difficult to stop. That makes his pocket passes much more difficult to stop. Um if, if you're using him in, let's say, Ben Simmons, for instance, in a pick and roll, that can make Ben way more dangerous on those short rolls to find, you know, pick guys so off the deadly. It it just opens up so much more. So I think it's really what it was about for him in those two games and attempting so many threes was just to, to get a look at it, to see, all right, this is a game-type situation. Let me implement this here, and let's see what it looks like. And, and for the most part, it looked pretty damn good. And they're similar percentages, you know, 29.2% in his one year at Kentucky, and right now he's at 28.6 in Summer League. So it's, it's similar, but I do appreciate the willingness to be like, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm wide open. There's nobody here. I'm just going to put it up. Or, hey... I got a good look at it. I'm just going to put it up. Screw it. If it goes in, cool. If not, uh, Paul, get the rebound. I'll get into Paul in a second. And uh, we'll just reset. It's fine. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I you know, uh, he even admitted that in that first half of that, because I think he went like three of six in the first game and then one of eight in the next game. So I, I he even admitted that he felt like he was forcing some stuff in, in the first half of that Atlanta game. And I think that, that could have been part of the reason why he was 0 for 7, because Perhaps he was trying too much to, to kind of get, you know, what we alluded to, get those shots up and get those reps um, instead of just kind of playing his game. 
And I think in the second half, you saw him play his game more. And then really, he just took the whole game over. And then that step back shot kind of came naturally in the flow of the offense. So mm. I, I, so I think gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a tough sample size through two games. So I don't want to like totally directly compare it to the Kentucky time, but I, I do think it's, you know, it, again, in that Atlanta game, perhaps for some things in the first half that he didn't do in the first game. And in the second half, you saw him not do that and just let the flow of the offense come naturally and let that shot present itself against the, you know, he switched onto a big, does that step back, gets that space. And he felt pretty confident and comfortable doing it. So um, and I think that's, that's again, that's a, a big part of the mentality is just the next shot's going in. And I think any good shooter, that's got to be the mentality. And I think he is developing that. And I think that's so critical, not just to his development, but realistically to every player's development. You know, if, if you're a guy who the team needs you to shoot and take shots, you have to have the mentality of if I'm over eight, the next one's going in. And, and I think he's, developed, he's developing that. And, and I think that, is going to be so big for him um, this year. And of course, throughout, you know, the entirety of his career. Living in the moment is definitely one of those things that you just have to be, you'd have to have that mindset. Like, for example, you know, if you're an NFL quarterback and you throw an interception, just get him on the next pass or something like that. But the same could a hundred thousand percent be said about like shooters in the NBA, like the old adage goes, shooters shoot themselves out of it. Yeah, it's, Again, it's just that mentality of the next one's going in. And that's the, the quarterback thing is a, is a great comparison. Having that short-term memory of, yeah, you know, I, I had a bit, or and that carries over game to game too, right? I mean, a guy has yeah. a bad shooting night and he says, all right, well, this is a new game. So now this game I'm chucking again. And I think that's, <laughs> that's gotta be, that's gotta be a, a, for a guy like him, who I think, may, again, maybe not this year, but in the future, if he's still here, they're going to need him to shoot. They're going to need him to score. They're going to need that mentality because they just don't have enough guys on this roster that have that score first mentality. Um, I, I know Doc has tried to rein in Maxi a little bit and maybe tried to make him more all around, which is great. Uh, make him more of an all around player, make him more of a point guard and, and, you know, a better facilitator, which ultimately will help him um, for the long term of his career. Yes. But the Sixers just lack dudes who just want to shoot, who want the ball, who want to go to the hoop. Who want to put the basketball up and i think having a guy like maxi who who just is fearless and aggressive and that's what he that's what he does i think that's so big for this team to have more guys like that and to have that like and that's why i thought like i mean you saw like what cam thomas has done with the <laughs> brooklyn nets in the summer <laughs> oh league God. like man if it, with all due respect to Jaden springer who i still you know he's very young and will have a chance to be a good basketball player like if they could have got their hands on a Cam Thomas, like like a guy like that, I think is exactly what they needed. Um, again, maybe he doesn't help them this year, but in the future. But that they need more. To me, they need more guys like that who are just audacious and will fire from anywhere and just won't think twice about it. Something that I found interesting in the column that you wrote was Maxi assuming a little bit of a leadership role, which kid set calm down with that real quick like i i appreciate it you you have the most nba experience on the roster but yo take your time with that like feel, <laughs> like lean into it a little bit but i i appreciate the attempt i i love the effort uh when he when the sixes were down uh he was quoted in saying i just think it shows resiliency we we're down 14 15 you couldn't tell anybody was rattled and like, that's something that a vocal leader kind of does. I don't know if 
necessarily the Sixers have one of those right now. Like some would argue it's Embiid, but I'm not a thousand percent confident that's the case. But this is interesting coming from a second year player who's not even 21 yet. Yeah, and I think, you know, with, uh, I guess people have like big, uh, big discussions about leadership and like, is it developed? It's, is it's it, one of those kind of born with it. Like it's one of those yeah. hot button kind of topics where it's just like it's not something that's quantifiable. So I kind of right. like throw it to the wayside and like, okay, where's the leadership column in the box score? You know? Yeah. No, and it's <laughs> totally. And, it, and I think some people do. Some people have that innate thing in them that they're able to lead people. Um, and that's just their personality. They have whatever, you know, whatever, ter- you know, however you want to type a, whatever personality you want to call it. Um, and some people don't have that. They're not naturally born with it and they develop it over time as they get confidence. And as they feel, you know, and as they kind of grow into a role, I think that Tyrese has some natural leadership qualities. Uh, I totally I think, agree. And I, I don't think with like that quote, number, I don't think that is him trying to be a leader i just think that is stuff that's already in him that is coming out like we already talked about with you know his 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 you know his coachability his his willingness to learn that's part of it is is i think when you have a guy like him who is for this at least just for this summer league team who is the best player on the team and he's buying in and he's listening to the coaches and he's relaying the messages of the coaching staff when you have that buy-in from a guy like that that helps the entire team. So, like, of course, do I expect Tyrese Maxey to, you know, go into huddles next year barking at guys? No, <laughs> I, of course I don't see that. But I think that he does have some innate natural leadership qualities to him just based on the type of person he is. And I could certainly see as he gets more NBA experience, um, as he becomes a bigger part of whether it's, you know, whether it's in Philadelphia or whether it's elsewhere, it's going to be in Philly, Paul. It's going to be here. <laughs> he certainly has those qualities. That I think he can develop into a leader of men. And um, I, I, I think you're seeing it in bits here because, like you said, he, he is one of the more experienced guys as far as NBA talent, as far as NBA experience goes. He's one of the more experienced guys on this roster. And I just think as he gets more experience and as he, you know, as, as he, you know, gets more respect around the league for the type of player he is, I think he will naturally grow into a leadership position. I will say this about Maxi and other guards of his uh, esteemed alma mater. Calipari and those a lot of those Kentucky guards, I feel like they have that innate leadership quality right after right as they're drafted like it's just there playing for somebody like Calipari like that's just something that you get from that coach with a lot of players well that and it's probably fair to say he recruits guys like that right I mean he, he's yeah. recruiting guys like like Maxie and Tyler Hero and you know Jamal Murray Devin Booker guys who kind of have that Darren Fox um, yeah Darren Fox exactly he just identifies in guys that that alpha or whatever it is how again however you want to quantify it he, he he finds guys that have that in them and i i think that's a big part of the reason why so many kentucky guards have so much success in the nba it's funny that they still get overlooked that makes no <laughs> how? sense to me how I, it's i know it, it's mind-blowing yes. you see 
Tyler Hero get drafted in the teens and he's helping Miami get to the finals. Then the next year you see Maxi and quickly not get drafted into the twenties. It's like, don't it's, you it's guys a Kentucky, learn here? It's a Kentucky guard. Just take them and just forget yeah. about it. Like they're the Ron Popeil of college athletes. Yeah. You said it and you forget it. Like once you have them, that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no. I like you look at a guy like, yeah, like again, Devin Booker, who I've always loved. And, you know, he goes late into the draft, and now he Ow. took his team. He's he's the guy on an NBA Finals team. I mean, oh my God. it's it's not a coincidence. Like, these – like, again, it's probably a combination of what you said where it's Kalapari instilling that in them, and then it's him finding guys that just had that and really being really good at identifying it. And luckily for the Sixers, Daryl Moore identified it in Tyrese Maxillan, <laughs> and he's a Sixer. I kind of hinted at this as we were going into break. So here, here we go. Maxi is a starter. Now, this is the way I would run it if I were the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, right? I still have the, the core four of Simmons, Embiid, Tobias Harris, and I'm going to throw Matisse in the starting lineup. But I feel like a good way to do it would be like how Villanova University does it, where they definitely have six starters and those six guys get starters minutes. And I feel like Maxi going into next season could and maybe should be one of those like 22 to 27 minutes a game kind of guys. And if he is feeling it, just let him keep going. And I feel like Maxi Simmons, Tobias, Thibel, and Embiid to close out games. First of all, good God, that's one hell of a defensive lineup. And two, offensively, I feel like you can do a hell of a lot more things. The only thing that is devoid there is three-point shooting. But if you really need that kind of burst, then I guess maybe you throw... Seth Curry in to close out a game in the last five minutes. Does that does that plan make any kind of sense? It does. I, I'm not there yet because I think you just what you just said was what I was thinking the most when you're bringing it up is just I I worry about the spacing because I think one of the things yeah. that I think one of the things that took the Sixers from being a six seed to a one seed last year was simply flipping two guys who didn't space the floor for two guys that did space the floor. Right. Uh, and that exponentially made Joel Embiid better. It made Tobias Harris better. And it made Ben Simmons better at times. So, and to me, the issue last year was not the starting five. Um, they were one of the best starting five units in the entire NBA last year. So to me, I am probably bringing back, I'm running it back as far as at least the starting five. Um we, we have said, another we have another we have another pro Ben Simmons guy. Thank well, God. It's just me and Dave out here on this hill. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, we well, need listen, help over here. Unless unless I've 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 always been of the belief unless you're getting unless unless you're getting Damian Lillard, unless you're getting Bradley Beal, I, I keep Ben Simmons. I don't see and I know we didn't I didn't want to we did this wasn't the point of this podcast. So we didn't want to turn into this conversation, but um, the only point yeah, we'll make about Ben Simmons. 
Yeah, like I, I'm not trading in the Golden State for Andrew Wiggins, Wiseman, and picks. That is no. I don't understand how that makes you better. I'm not trading into Minnesota for any combination of D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Nope. No. Nope. On that, uh, and just any any of those deals you can throw out. I'm, re- or, you know, Sacramento. Any deal with Sacramento that doesn't involve Fox or Halliburton. Nope. I'm done. I, that conversation ends. So to me, yeah, I, I, I at this point. I'm I'm expecting Ben Simmons is back. I mean, I don't. It, it, a lot can happen. It's still, you know, it's still August. It's August. You know, it'll be August seventeenth when this comes out. There's still a lot of time before opening night. There's still a few weeks before training camp. So who knows what will happen? But as of now, I'm expect. I mean, I am anticipating that Ben Simmons will be back. And with that, I, I'm anticipating the same starting five. This, that starting five, right, got you the one seed. Now, admittedly, um, teams are getting better. Uh, you look at the Miami Heat and some of the things they've done. They're going to be a better team. The Hawks beat you in the playoffs. They're going to be a better team this year. Um, you know, Chicago has improved. Washington has improved. Are they better than the Sixers? I, I'm not go- I don't think that we're there. And but- I'll say this, because Maxie has done so well in Summer League, and lest we forget, Matisse had a pretty damn good-looking Olympic sure run. did. So sure I, I feel like the Sixers yeah. are definitely improved because those two guys are improving a, a lot better. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it, I hate to say it again for like, you know, like the fifth year in a row, but it's going to depend on Ben Simmons and where he is. If, yeah. if he shows the improvements that he needs to show, I'm not saying come out here and bomb five threes a game, but if he just shows will more willingness to shoot when there are obvious opportunities to do so if he improves as a, as a free throw shooter if he attacks the basket a little bit more and you know improves his finishing around the rim i think all of those things can lead him to improve and that will elevate the sixers to another level but yeah just to get but just to circle back to the you know the conversation with the starting lineup i, I think they run it back but nothing gets set in stone just because they run it back to start the season doesn't mean that's going to be their optimal lineup or where they or where they end up once the postseason comes into play. But I also think you could argue that you know the bench was a huge sure spot. Yeah, Part of that is on Doc Rivers for perhaps the way he implemented the bench, where he would go to those all bench units, which we all just love so much. Um, love to hate, but, maybe. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> you know, to have Tyrese Maxey playing at a higher level and bringing something different, that's going to improve the bench. To your point. Matisse Thibel, his improvement, that's going to elevate the bench. Um, and staggering, you know, not playing Andre Drummond and Ben Simmons together will probably improve the bench as well. God, uh, George I, I'm, Niang. Just, I'm dreading that already. I, I hear you. I think we all are. But to, And to even have a guy like George Niang who can give you better backup minutes than Mike Scott or who, whoever filled that role last year. And, hey, Maybe Paul Reed is a factor this year. I, I am know. so I, glad you brought him up because yeah, that so, was kind yeah. of where I'm going with the with the last hot take that I have. Uh, yeah. Paul Reed leads the summer league in rebounding. He also scores 17 and a half points per game with two and a half steals, and two and a half blocks. He had 27, 24 and four in his last game. I don't know if he's gettable, but he shouldn't be. That's that's what I'm taking away from Paul Reed in summer league. Maxie's been great, but listen, Paul Reed needs minutes. B-ball Paul needs minutes. And I know Doc has a tendency to not play rookies or young players, but Maxie, Reed, those guys need minutes. They have proven themselves in my eye. Uh, Well, listen, I I just wrote, that was the column I wrote today was basically 
you know, Paul is, is Paul Reed a guy who can fill? They have a void as far as a stretch five. They do not have a stretch five on the roster that hurt them in the Atlanta series because they couldn't go away from Dwight Howard. They didn't have a, a, an option that could help stretch the floor to help alleviate some uh, pressure off Ben Simmons and, and open up some space for him. They didn't have that. So, uh, so my feeling is this. I, I don't know that Paul Reed gets regular rotation minutes from the jump, but I do think there are matchups where he is a much better option than Andre Drummond will be. And that yes. is when other teams choose to go small to have a guy like him that can do some of the things that Andre Drummond does rim protect, uh, you know, active on the offensive glass, set screens, a guy that could do all those things, but can also step out and perhaps hit a three pointer that can open up a lot of things again, especially <laughs> if Ben Simmons is on this roster. And again, if Tyrese Maxey, because listen, yes, Tyrese Maxey is showing signs that perhaps he'll be an improved three point shooter, but he hasn't done it yet for a stretch in, in the NBA. So we still have to see that. We still have Matisse Thibel, who we don't know, you know, his shot again, there are reasons to be encouraged that perhaps it will improve, but it's not there yet. Right. So having another guy that can potentially stretch the floor could infinitely help Ben Simmons um, when it's like, you know, a, a, a bench unit that that's, if Doc Rivers again decides to go with those all bench units, um, <laughs> that could be something that can help to have a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit. So uh, while I don't think he gets minutes off the bat, there is clearly a, a role for him to be played in certain situations and in certain matchups. So I really hope uh, to your point, Doc Rivers said last year, he didn't think Paul Reed was ready. Um, we'll see. We'll see if Doc Rivers thinks he's a little bit farther along and if he is ready now, because he can help uh, again, not maybe regularly, but he can help this team. Paul Hudrick, newcomer to Liberty ballers. Uh, first time on the out of sight podcast. Loved having you. Amazing discussion about Summer League. I can't, I can't remember the last time I talked about Summer League this much and was legit <laughs> hype about it, so thank you for that. Uh, for anyone looking to find Paul's content, you can, also, you can always find it at Liberty Ballers, but uh, Paul is also on Twitter. So, Paul, if you would do the honors of giving your Twitter handle to the people. And uh, yeah, they can they can get into your menchies and uh, about all things summer league and all things <laughs> Sixers and and uh, yeah, you can help me and Dave defend the Ben Simmons Hill a little bit <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so it's just at my name at Paul Hudrick, easy enough to remember. H U D R I C K. And yeah, man, I mean, I, I love to mix it up on Twitter. You'll see, I'm pretty active. I I was defending my my. We didn't even talk about it, a young fella named uh, Dacian Nix, who I happen to like an awful lot and thinks you get an invite to camp, not necessarily as a roster invitee, but maybe as a non-roster guy, an Exhibit 10 guy. I would enjoy uh, that. Defended defended my stance on that a little bit this weekend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I love to mix it up on Twitter. And and please, uh, you know, if you have any 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 agree, disagree with anything I write or anything I say on Twitter, I, I, I love the back and forth. So uh, bring it on. Yeah, Paul, like me, Paul is very come at me, bro. That's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> it's cool. Paul, enjoyed having you. Look forward to talking with you again on Out of Sight and, you know, reading all your stuff and hearing you on all the other fine podcasts on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We are a Vox Media podcast. <laughs> talk to you soon, Paul. I'll, I'll talk to you later. 
That sounds great, man. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for just to plug us real quick. Liberty Ballers Podcast Network is expanding. Our guy Jazz Kang is doing a phenomenal job on that end. Yes, and he is. We we are so pumped. So it's we're, everything stays. We're only adding. That's the way I'm looking at, at everything with Liberty Ballers. We're keeping all the good. We're keeping everything you like, and we're just adding to it and making it even better. We're all about that hustle. That's what we're, that's what we're we're out here working for. We're out here working for the people. Talk to you soon, Paul. Sounds good. 